Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. The pandemic has seen an exponential rise in the use of porn. Today, it's been considered that between 46 and 74% of men and 16 to 41% of women are active pornography users in modern nations in the, the developed world, according to the Sexual Medicine Journal. The data is supported by one of the most popular porn sites called Pornhub, as reported over 39 billion searches and 42 billion visits during 2019, which implies around 150 million visits and 18,000 terabytes of data transferred per day. So what's driven this and what have been the consequences on mental health and on relationships? Also, most importantly, what can you yourself do if either you or maybe someone around you has been affected by this? This is what we're going to be exploring today and I'm delighted to be joined by the sex, love and porn expert Gary McFarlane from the Kairos Centre. Welcome, Gary. Good to see you, Matt. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Great to have you. I'm excited. This is a really interesting topic and so linked to everything that we're working in uh, in this area. And um, the first thing I wanted to ask Gary, um, why do you think we've seen such a big increase in the use of pornography during the pandemic? It's a way of self-soothing, Matt. Um, I was saying to somebody, the extended Christmas holiday period, particularly when we have um, a, an extra bank holiday, it is amazing. Um, it's a sad indictment on us, but with that enforced extra time together at Christmas, come the new year, you'll see an increased number of people um, running off to lawyers essentially for the divorce process. And of course, if you multiply that by what COVID lockdown has done, to people's mental health state in the sense that enforced together we were designed to be in relationship with others and where we can't be in relationship with others and of course covid working from home will i have a job to go back to will there be redundancies how will i how will i how will i lots of unanswered questions will cause people to go to their self-soothing processes and porn is one of those self-soothing processes for managing emotions i see Thank, thanks for that gary so you mean that because people are more stressed than they normally would be because of the lockdown and maybe other factors financial and so on that the corresponding rise has really been as people have been dealing with more stress they need more of the stress management which in this case could be porn. Regrettably that's exactly right Matt and the travesty is that domestic violence has significantly increased as well. It is just one of the go-to coping strategies and so regrettably yes um, but porn isn't just about porn. It's not a, just about images. We perhaps will come on to it at a point later on. It's so much about the chemical fix that people get from viewing mm. the images and doing the behaviours. Yeah, I'd love to understand that, Gary. So tell us about that chemical 
hit? You know, when people are, are using porn, what are the chemical hits that they're looking for at that point? Interestingly, Matt, it's, it's not so much when people are using it. It's so much more about the chase, the anticipation of what I know I'm about to do is where it actually begins, even before the turning on the gadget, the computer to view. It's the anticipation, which if you had visual, you'd see me patting my heart, which is the palpitation of anticipation. And with that comes the secretion of these really potent biochemicals, neurochemicals, neurotransmitters, you give it whichever name you want to, called dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, um, norepiprine, all sorts of combination of these chemicals. And of course, people have no idea of what, 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 all I'm doing is yeah. viewing porn or doing, what are you talking about? It's the chemicals that people become used to and mm. don't realize they're going to become reliant upon getting these chemicals into their body. The body becomes use dependent. The, the physiology of their body is changed by repeatedly going back to the behaviors as my go-to. But they have no idea that that is what's happening. I see. That's interesting, Gary. So, so talk us through, like, from being, let's say, just something pleasurable, which could be one of a number of different things. How does it go from being just something pleasurable that somebody does to really being a problem and being what you might call an addiction? Yeah, such a great question. Because what we need to remember is so much of this is set up in childhood. And so folks, you are dealing with the 10 year old, the 11, the 12 year old. And so often I came across my father's stash of, I came across, I came across, or the mobile phone I was using, or a friend that sent me an image, and I started to view. And the innocency of viewing the stuff, the brain says, wow, why not alcohol? Why not something else? We are actually, it's the brain that chooses the fix, the go-to, rather than you. So often anyway, there's a co-addiction waiting in the wings, like long periods on my PlayStation or something else is waiting in the wings when you don't go to the porn. So once you start going mm. to the porn, there is this drip feed of the those potent chemicals that's going into the limbic part of the brain, really. And it feels yeah. so good. It feels so nice that I want to do this and I want to keep doing this. So the next time one is feeling out of sorts, whether it's stress, upset, tensions, conflict in relationships, the brain says, in a sense, let's go and do that thing we did the other day. And now by keep on going back to that place, like on the hamster wheel, the body is getting its fix of those chemicals being pushed into the brain essentially by see, repeatedly getting the taste of the chemicals over and over and over again the physiology mm. of the body is now changing to become use dependent on it so when the person now doesn't want to even do this anymore it's boring um i'm fed up with this i want to stop they actually find they can't stop the midnight hour when I want to just go to sleep and, and, I, and the body actually is saying, 
give us our fix, give us our fix. No, I'm not doing this anymore. Give us our fix. And an hour, two hours later, just succumb because I just can't sleep. I needed to do this just to get to sleep. Now you've got a problem I because see. you can't yeah, just stop. I, I get it. So people get to the point where it becomes such a habit that they just got to keep doing it. They feel that need. Um, I was going to ask about that, Gary, because quite often people say, oh, you know, I've got an addictive personality. I'm wondering, what's your view on that? Is, is it true that some people are just more susceptible to getting getting caught in addiction in that way? I, I Yeah, it's one I've never fully bottomed out, the extent to which there is a truth about it, because I, I think the way I'd interpret that is I have a propensity towards repetitive behaviours, no matter what it is that I put my hands to. Now that might be it, and that 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 might be true. The problem of what makes something an addiction, Matt, as opposed to a compulsion. So we can all have a compulsion towards lots of different things that we do repetitively, but that ain't that's not necessarily going to become an addiction. The difference between a compulsion and an addiction is the type of behaviour that one gravitates to. When you do that behavior compulsively, but the particular behavior has what we call intensity, it's the intensity bit of the behavior that's going to create the addiction. What's the intensity? It's pretty much always going to be some secretion of some form of chemical. So, alcohol, you'll understand the alcohol content. Illegal drugs, you'll understand the chemical that goes with the illegal drugs. With porn, it is again chemicals, but this time it's not the illegal drugs, it's the self-manufactured chemicals in the body that is actually giving the high that gives the intensity that therefore creates the addiction over time. Mm, I see, of course. So you think some people, if you've more prone to maybe get addicted to one thing then it could be that something else could also come into that place like let's say i i deal with my gambling addiction but then all of a sudden i find myself addicted to something else you know too much sugary food or something like that is that um, does that happen in your experience uh, so what tends to happen matt is actually it's it's not often people have just one addiction most people with addictions will tend to have a co-addiction I call it the one waiting in the wings. So I can be doing some really good work with a client where the porn use is going down. Thanks very much. This is really working really well. But what they haven't recognized is in another part of their life, they're drinking, let's say, an extra glass of wine or extra glass of a beer, bottle of beer with their meals. And it's only when they put out the recycling bin that they start to see the extra numbers of bottles they're putting out and what they haven't realized is whilst they've been watching the front door the porn has been going down they haven't noticed that through the back door there's another behavior that's taking the place because porn isn't about porn and images it's about a way of self-soothing and managing emotions so when you get rid of one the brain will tend to um, bring in another one to help manage emotions. I see. So 
in the worst case, Gary, what you're saying is it could be a bit like a revolving door, you know, where one goes out and another one comes in. Another one comes um, in because it's all for yeah. self-soothing. What that does mean, Matt, is we may have to take a client right back to childhood where they never learned more appropriate positive coping strategies. I see, of course. So is that that's where I wanted to go, really, Gary. So... Um, well, before we come on to that, in terms of other potential self-soothing, I wanted to just ask and clarify this point around, you know, love and sex and porn addiction. You know, people talk about being addicted to love, uh, being addicted yeah. to sex. Um, would you say that they're one and the same or it's like different variants of a similar thing? Or how do those sit together, would you say? They, they, they really are all different. First, we've got to remember... Um, arguably there's no such thing as sex addiction it doesn't have a proper definition you could say it's a colloquial term that we've all accepted um, it's starting to become properly acknowledged really by the World Health Organization given the term sexual compulsion or compulsivity but the term sex addiction is really what most of us just use as an all-encompassing term to cover any of those behaviors but if we really break it down there is a difference between see porn is only one facet of sex because the somebody may do porn but not do prostitutes not do voyeuristic behaviors and so you'd move into sex addiction because it's much more um, other activities not just porn sexting prostitutes, escorts, voyeuristic, exhibitionists, etc. And I guess all of those might come under the gambit of sex addiction, um, where mm. porn may not even be something they do because they only do escorts, prostitutes, etc. Now, I the see. love addiction bit, what you're always looking out for with the love addiction is the desire and need and propensity to interact with other people in some way. Because the interaction with other people gives this false sense of being wanted, desired. It gives a sense of feeling secure in relationships, so to speak. It gives a sense of people um, want to be with you. Because there's a desire to be interacting with others, which gives that sense of being wanted. Now, that always gets... Um, is because something has got set up back in childhood, something called attachment issues. Now, it's really hard to open that one up and start to talk about that one. So let me just tell you, it's something called attachment. And attachment just has to do with a disruption in the bonding between the key caregivers, that's typically a mum, a dad, in early childhood, that creates that sense of separateness that was too early for the child's brain so that mm. the, the brain reacts to that, that, that separateness and learns not to rely on those key people but to become, in a sense, independent yet absolutely desiring to be in relationship but not finding those relationships safe enough to hold me because you might yeah. let me go and loss. That's, uh, it's hard to I understand it. it from that. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, there are lots of different aspects, aren't there, Gary? There's so many things that we could unpack. There's probably oh, okay. a whole a whole series of yeah. episodes there we could go into. But I, I just totally... wanted to touch on that. I just wanted to touch on the thing around how. Uh, well, you mentioned about we talked about love addiction. You know, maybe where we yeah. have some kind of abandonment from childhood, and then we're yeah. we're like overly needing of that sort of connection. Maybe and it can create as problems. Yeah. For example, yeah. um, I just wanted to ask though because I guess there's nothing unhealthy about wanting to be connected to other people like our partner Absolutely. to feel close. Um, it's, so natural. I guess I, I, it's natural. It's natural. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, what do you think, it, where do you think that line is Gary between a sort of a healthy wanting to be connected to our partner and where it could become a problem or lead us into issues? What, what do you think? It's, it's, it's all about the, the bonding back there in childhood, Matt. There is what we call a secure attachment where because those key caregivers, we call them caregivers, typically it's a mum or dad, but you'll understand when we've been fostered, adopted, it's not the natural biological mum and dad, okay? But it's all about the earliest bonding between those key individuals. And I always use this expression, they essentially become the lighthouse in our lives, Matt, because we are the ships and we need to learn to grow and develop, but always having recourse back to the lighthouse as the source of making sure I'm doing it right and being able to make mistakes. But something happens when that key lighthouse isn't fully available to the child for whatever reasons. And it's not always a criticism of that key parental figure, the, the lighter. It could be postnatal depression. It could be um, something that affects them emotionally. It could be their own issues, but the child detects they're not fully available to help me in my development. And when that gets disrupted, that bonding, the, the child experiences a sense of being let go too soon, loss, separateness, and that a sense of abandonment, that's a strong term to use when all that's happened is mum's not fully, etc. But the brain experiences that as life-threatening. And it now has to find a way to cope and manage that child. And one of the ways is when mum comes back, I remonstrate because I'm angry with you, so I cry and I won't, but now I won't fully attach back to you because the brain is saying, but she might do it again. She might drop me and not come back and leave me and I'm going to, so don't attach too much to mum. And yet the contradiction is, I desperately need you, mummy. I desperately want to attach to you. But, but something is telling me I can't because you hurt me when you didn't come back consistently, not a one-off consistently you just weren't good enough for me mm. and the brain has now got this dichotomy where I desperately want you but I'm scared too and you now see that being played out Matt later in adulthood see all this chat was to say once it gets set up in childhood you're now going to see a, a, a manifestation in adulthood where I desperately want this person as my partner but when we get jittery because of conflict, I'm fearful that you might move away from me. You might finish with me. And so actually, I might do all sorts of different protective behaviors. Some of those is to control 
the relationship. Others is actually to create more conflict and arguments and throw a hand grenade in to force you to finish with me. What a bizarre thing to do. But I want you. Yeah, but if I'm scared you're going to finish with me, it's better if I get you to finish it and I'm in control than you do it to me when I wasn't ready for you to do it to me, just like what happened back there when I was a child. That's so fascinating, Gary. I love the way you explain that. And the thing that really came across to me there when you were describing that is this like inner conflict. Yeah, It's like, on the one hand, I want one thing, which might be a lovely relationship and my partner to be with me. But then I've got this other part of me, which is trying to play, play something else out, almost like we're trying to recover from something. What sort of emotions would a person be going through or would we be going through, Gary, if we're, if we're dealing with that sort of confl- inner conflict? Yeah, and how could that then affect our relationship? I love the way you put that, Matt. Conflict, that is an absolute inner conflict. Can I call it absolute turbulence? Because we desperately want to be in relationship and bond with key people. But it's too scary to allow ourselves to fully bond. And so that dichotomy, that, that conflict, is constantly going on in that person's life, which is hard, hard work to keep up. And that therefore manifests itself in the relationships and the way one does relationships, which is um, to actually, it's safer to do it in cyber world, in a sense, um, because it never goes wrong. Because I'm in control of the fantasy world of porn and interaction with another person. I'm paying that escort, that prostitute, for giving me that sense of you're the best thing since sliced bread. I see. And so I'm in so a bubble. Could, mm, so it could almost be another way of controlling. It's like if I feel quite out of control, then maybe my porn world can be something that I can control. What, what do you think? Totally. And it never goes wrong. Because <laughs> unfortunately, narcissism is a part of the sex porn addiction world in fact i use i call it my mathematical formula shame plus narcissism equals sex addiction i see so narcissism me myself and i yeah i'd love to talk about that a little bit uh, gary this is obviously a really big thing that lots of people talk about nowadays don't they it's very much in the culture how does how does narcissism relate to sex or poor addiction please people don't go off to google put the word narcissism in and start to look at that say i knew it i knew it no that type of narcissism is something to do with npd narcissistic personality disorder i'm not saying individuals with porn sex addiction are full-blown narcissists with this personality disorder it needs a it needs a particular diagnosis. What I'm saying is there are traits of narcissism that will be manifesting in the lives of those with porn sex addiction. And my simple take on those traits, narcissism, me, myself and I, me, myself and I, even though I, I think I'm doing for others, all roads lead back to giving something back to me. In other words, behaviors, activities are conditional upon something coming back to me. But the individual doesn't recognize that at all. They see themselves as giving, as giving, as 
I don't really want the attention, etc. But actually, it is about focus on me and attention on me and self is constantly in the limelight. That makes sense, Gareth, because I guess when we're using porn, let's say, we're really just finding a way to meet our own needs, yeah. aren't we? We we just and and I wanted to, that brings us on nicely into the relationship element. So I'd love to hear from you when people reach out to you. Let's say they recognise they've got this problem and it's yeah. affecting the relationship. What kind of effects on the relationship do people normally report when they reach out for help? Remember, it's a female and a male thing. I put it that way round because we're perhaps conditioned to think this is a male thing. Um, yes, us men stereotypically tend to be more wired towards visual, but females are as well. But females tend to be more aroused with the spoken word, the written word. I often use um, Fifty Shades of Grey, and I, I jest about it, Matt. I'll come back to your question in a minute very quickly. But I jest about Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, that's been normalised as okay reading everybody knows it is actually porn it is porn um but the woman can now read it on the bus on the beach etc because it's normalized accepted the guys aren't particularly interested because there's no pictures in it it's just words yeah so the females will be being aroused by the romance side of it by the written word and loving it us guys aren't interested because the visual isn't there now turn that book into a film in the cinema hey darling would you like to come to the cinema what for what are we watching 50 shades of that's that book they've made it into a... yes i'll come i'll come and i just jest with it and i say look whilst the film's happening oh gosh they're getting undressed oh are they and now he's watching avidly as the juicy bit is on and when I the see. juicy bit's finished the undressing then he gets back to sleep again i jest about it but that's the difference between us now going to the marriage yeah. so often or the partnered relationship so often matt there's something about pushing the limits too far till the individual gets caught you see shame in that formula shame means hide hidden don't ever get caught don't get found out and an individual with porn sex love addiction will have been practicing not getting caught back from back there in the past long time they become an expert so when they are caught and being caught can take the form of many ways relationship the legal process the workplace because they've used the work computer but for a female partner finding out for example it's devastating on the relationship, on the marriage, and often uh, an ultimatum, get this sorted or I'm out of here, and the children. And for her, the pain of finding out really is so devastating that it takes her mental state into a low, low place. So the work is so much about his recovery, a separate piece of work, and supporting her in her separate recovery because of the impact on her mental state mm. in getting through this period of an assault. So different work, and it's only a little bit later on can you truly start couples counselling because I use the expression, 
there's a third person in the relationship and I personify the behaviours, Matt, and I call her Mrs. Pawn. There isn't a real person, but there really is a real Mrs. Pawn. And for a female partner, it's devastating because she can't just go down the road and, and, and scratch her eyes out, leave my man alone. And she can't easily just go off to the Ann Summers and do the Ann Summers thing. What's the Ann Summers thing? The latest and swing from the chandeliers. Look at me, darling. Look what I can do. Why do you want her when I can do this? And many female partners will do the Ann Summers thing to try and fight back. I see. Really devastated two months on when he's gone back to the behaviours. And I she see, finds out. I get it. So it's, it's almost like some people can try to compete with the porn almost to yeah. try to, yeah. to, to sort yeah. of outdo it. I yeah. get it. And, yeah. and, in terms and they'll of the, always the, lose, Matt. They'll always lose that yeah. part. Always will lose it. I see. What what should people think about then at that point? If this comes to light and let's say they're devastated, as you say, what would you recommend to be the first few steps that people should be thinking about taking? Do not make major bridge burning decisions in that moment because you're not going to be using the frontal part of the brain the logical reasoning thinking brain because it will have gone offline that's what happens when somebody is about to do porn and is doing porn the logical brain is offline and you're making decisions from the mid part of the brain deeper in called the limbic brain the emotional brain yeah. so do not make major decisions about whether I will stay, I will go, etc., etc. Um, try to get to a a calmed down place where the brain starts to let the cerebral cortex come back online. But definitely specialized help. This isn't just yeah. a any therapist type of help, um, and, and and that's not just me saying. It is really is quite specialized work really it, when yeah. you're dealing with this area. I think that's a really great point about not jumping to any quick decisions, but taking a step back and yeah. obviously, as you say, getting the help that you need at that point as well. Um, so, and you say that there are two different aspects of the way you look at it. Firstly, the, 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 the porn users recovery or reducing or avoiding yeah. using that. And then there's the, the impact on the trust of the other person as well. Yes, absolutely. Just let me correct that first bit, the four porn users and how you reduce and stop. There's stages to that. What you don't necessarily um, do is jump to a recovery program. The person is doing what they're doing for a reason. It's self-soothing, it's managing emotions, COVID, stress at work, um, possible redundancies. It's the brain's go to to manage emotions and so what 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 that means is they're likely reverting to coping strategies that they learned back there in childhood in which case just put in a a, a recovery program of tools to use to try and stop is a short-term fix really what you need to do is go back to why am I doing this behavior? What is the role, the function, the purpose which the behaviors serve? And then start to yeah. see 
how it came into my life, maybe whilst I was being bullied, maybe mum and dad were going through a tough time, I was listening to their arguments, they eventually went on to divorce. In that midst of all of that, I came across this behavior on my phone, I started doing, and, and somehow I learned to just manage the emotions in the home by going to my opting out into cyber world, into board. And so what we need to do is look back and say, what was the purpose it served then? Because it's still serving a purpose now, so that tensions in the home have gone. I'm now an adult, but tensions in the workplace. Has set. So my brain says, let's go and do. And so there's something about some work to process unresolved past issues before you go to a recovery program, Matt. I see. Well, that makes, makes perfect sense, Gary. As you say, otherwise it could just be a sticking plaster, couldn't it? And it's a sticking well, plaster. Well, yeah, just stop doing the thing. But actually there was something maybe you needed to learn from that, something deeper to recognise. So that sounds really, really positive. Um, I was going to ask as well, Gary, um, you, we talk, well, you mentioned earlier briefly, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are regarding the differences or similarities between men and women in terms of how we're potentially drawn into this kind of addictive behaviour? Yeah, I, I am in danger of being seen to be too stereotypical, um, and, and, and forgive me folks for that, but we, 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 there is a difference mostly between men and women, and as I say with the book The Fifty Shades of Grey, that was my crude way of trying to show. You see, a lot of women may be doing romantic novels and see no issue in it, but if a man were in the bed re viewing porn, <laughs> he'd be in serious trouble. But the romantic novels, which have gone up notches because the Mills and Boons, whoosh, back, back 30 years ago, whoosh, is not what the stuff reads like today. And it is porn. It's just a different way of doing porn. And so the addiction can slip in without women recognizing that although they're not necessarily watching the visual stuff they are reading the stuff which is giving the same type of secretion of those potent hormones into the body as the visual it's a different way of getting the chemical fix i see so someone could be getting it by reading a certain type of book but what you're saying is it's a similar purpose or phenomenon really same thing it's the same thing yeah. And those chemicals are, are so, neuroscience, which is some of the stuff I would teach some of my clients, those chemicals have got a specific role. I mean, can you imagine, Matt, that each of those chemicals have such a role that they actually can pinpoint where you got that, 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 that high level of arousal from, what you were doing, where you were, what's the type of behavior, and it's almost like put a pin on the map that says, we know how to get that back again, and this is the chemical that has a part to play in how to reproduce it, and it's registered in a memory center up here, so you don't have to even think about it, the brain can just lead you to it, repeated, repeated, repeated. And that's what neuroscience has shown us about each of these different chemical fixes. I see, thanks for showing that, Gary, That that's great. And just to go back to the thing about you know how we deal with these challenges and you said about I loved your point about not jumping to any quick conclusions or quick decisions let's say um, but what what should people be doing like if, if, you, if I start to think to myself do you know what this behavior 
it's got a bit too much now. It's starting to affect me day to day. Maybe I'm getting some anxiety. It's starting to, uh, I'm starting to hide, you know, certain things that I'm doing and it's feeling uncomfortable with the family. What should people do? I mean, what would be the first step, would you say? Before you even get to the first step, your brain is now going to fight you. <laughs> I, I do something really strange in my in my um, in my sessions with clients, um, Matt. I cut the top of their skull off, <laughs> and I lift their brain out, and I put it on the chair next to them, and I, I say something weird, which is, your brain is not your best friend. Your brain is going to sabotage, and it is not going to work with you. Your brain gave you a coping strategy back there in the past and it believes it works. And you're now about to think about trying to get some help to get rid of it. And your brain is in consternation because the brain is saying, why? And anyway, I can't join you because I don't know what you're going to replace it with. So for a period of time, your brain is going to be watching on the side, sabotaging and not working. So I use some strange, I use rewards and treats. For even the smallest gain, give yourself a reward, a treat. A lot of my clients can't do it because if I do, I'll get uh, my brain, I, I'll get cocky. And my brain will think, and then I'll, I'll come for a fall. I say, no, when we mess up, we beat ourselves up and tell us we've done it again. Well, but when we do good, we don't actually register that good. And I say, look, go and buy yourself a Harindaz ice cream. I don't want to wreck your diet. But just because you had a fight and you didn't succumb and you got through that day, treat yourself. Because when the brain starts to see some good treats for positive outcomes, it might start to work with you, um, Matt. So um, it, it, it's, it's, it's something like that. So you then need some professional help because it really is a true addiction, even though many people don't believe it is. I see. Fantastic. That's great to hear. And it um, just leads me on to my last point, actually, Gary. I wanted to find, let people know, how can they find out more about what you do? If people are listening and saying, this really resonates, I need to I need to work on this myself, how can they get in contact with you? Um, my website is the, the my organisation, it's the Kairos Centre. And Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And the website is um, I'm sure you'll give a link to it, but it's it's um, kairos-center.com. Kairos-center, C-E-N-T-R-E. Is that the American way? Dot com. Kairos-center.com. Yeah. Just go onto that website. You'll get a lot of information on there. But then you could send me an email, and I'll gladly send you some literature, some more information. Um, and just say, look, why not just have a one hour session with me where I will help you to navigate this terrain of porn sex addiction and answer all of your questions. You're not committed to do anything else after that one hour session, but at least I've answered your questions. You're better informed. You're better knowledge, knowledgeable. Um, knowledge is power. And with that knowledge, you can then decide what you do or don't do afterwards. But arm yourself with accurate yeah. information. Fantastic. If you go straight that, to Google, and we certainly will include the. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly include the link, Gary, as you say in the in the show notes, so people can link link through there as well. And uh, just to say again, a massive thank you, you know, for joining us today. Were there any final 
comments or thoughts that we haven't covered that you think are really worth mentioning just to wrap up? Yeah, it's something that I've got, which is there really is a pandemic with porn increase. And there's a lot of folks that would have never thought that they would have a porn sex addiction. But because of COVID, many have gone to use um, webcams with their partners and they've crossed a boundary that they'd set for themselves, which is, no, I'm not comfortable viewing you or me on a tablet or a phone doing sexual things. But COVID has caused people to just do various alternative ways of a sexual outlet. But once the brain has got used to looking at somebody on a camera image, it's a very discreet next step to not realizing that you're actually viewing somebody else porn on a video. And many people after porn lockdown, etc. sorry, after COVID lockdown coming out, may actually find that they are compulsively drawn back to the porn viewing. I would never have imagined that that was them. And so there's a number of people that may come out of COVID lockdown with an addiction, but take them a long time to actually admit it to themselves. Most people that come to my office sort of know something's going on, but can't easily acknowledge it is truly an addiction. And anyway, when I really, really try, I'll be able to kick this. And that can go on for a long time before they take first steps. Be brave, take first steps and get some guidance. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.